If you are at home online and you're ready to go, I'd like for you to turn with me to uh, Psalm 95. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. And while you're finding that, I just want to remind everybody that uh, uh, to be going out to the website, unionbaptisthawsville.com. And look for a tab there for online giving. We do have things set up there, and we do want to encourage uh, online giving. You can continue, I guess, to send checks into the church if you prefer to do that. Uh, but we definitely need to remember uh, the, the financial needs of the church continue, even though we're not able to gather and pass the plates around. So uh, we would love for you to continue to make efforts to support the ministries of Union Baptist Church, either sending checks in or uh, online giving. So uh, just remember that. Also, you can still access there uh, the prayer calendar and the directory in our at-risk list there under uh, member resources. So uh, take a look and uh, get familiarized with that. And just let's continue to be praying for each other during this time. So if you have your Bibles and you're there in Psalm 95, let's, uh, let's start with verse 1. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry ground. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Will you pray with me? Father, as we gather together uh, digitally this morning, we, we praise you and thank you that we have the means to do that. God, we, we thank you first and foremost for our protection and salvation. Uh, we, that comes straight from the text. It, it, we talk about, the psalmist here talks about you being the rock of our salvation, God. You are our protection in the fierceness of, of life and the storms of life, the, the ups and downs of health, God, the, the good news, the bad news. You are our salvation and our rock and our protection. And we want to thank you, God. The whole basis of, of the call to worship, the call to praise, the call to, to glorify you, to come and bow down is that you are God, that you are our salvation and that you are a great king over all the earth. You are the maker and sustainer of all things. And, and worship is not about how we feel or, or how uh, comfortable we are or how close in proximity to other brothers and sisters we are. It's about how worthy you are to be worshipped. And that worthiness has not changed because of uh, the coronavirus. It has not changed because of quarantine. And so, God, I pray that you would help us as your people to worship based on your worthiness and not on the the way that this feels awkward to us to, to, to gather in these ways. I'm thankful that you're pressing us to do things differently. I'm thankful, God, that we're, being, uh, that we're having life changed and we're learning that you're still there in the midst of craziness and chaos. And I pray that we would, as your people, recognize that though the outward form is temporarily changed, God, the inner realities do not change. And so we praise you and thank you for that, that you are with us. But God, we do recognize that there is still a sickness, there is still a disease that is going around. There are still people that are, that are going to get this disease and will die from this disease. And so we pray your protection over our at-risk population. God, we think about the people on our list, the, the, the uh, people that are already suffering with uh, illnesses and, and diseases or, or uh, 
immuno problems, God, that would not allow them to properly fight uh, this coronavirus. So we pray that it would just not come near them. God, we pray that you would keep safe the members of this church that, that uh, are most at risk. God, we pray that you would also end this quickly. Father, that you would restore the normal means of grace, that we would be able to gather together in this building to sing and worship corporately. God, to, to have Sunday school and community groups in a normal and natural way. God, to be able to encourage one another face to face and not just uh, electronically. But God, we do again rejoice and thank you that we have those means. And God, we pray that through these means you would, you would bless the worship in homes today. And God, that you would take away the awkwardness of moms and dads and kids coming together to sing uh, together, to study the word together. And that you, through this, God, would, would help strengthen devotions in the family and strengthen the family unit, God, and strengthen the church. And we ask these things in Christ's name, to whom we are preparing our hearts to praise and worship in this very moment, God. Help us to do so with all that we have. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, take your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the book of Psalms, Psalm 46. And uh, I went. I went to this psalm because... I'm hopeful about this crisis that we're going through, if you want to call it a crisis, certainly a difficult time in, in our lives, a time when some things have been disrupted. And uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm hopeful for in, in this time uh, is that God would use the, the discomfort that we're feeling with this world, uh, that that would lead us to long for God and to long for his presence with us. Um, and and I'm, I'm hopeful that this time can do that. Um, I'm reminded of John Piper. He wrote a book, Don't Waste Your Life. And then later on, uh, he, he wrote another book when he was diagnosed with cancer and was undergoing treatment for that, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Uh, and, and along those same lines, I'd, I'd like us to think about don't waste this crisis. Uh, th there are things that God is seeking to say to us, things that God is seeking to teach us uh, in this time. And, and I'm hopeful uh, that although we would never choose to go through something like this, uh, that we will look for those lessons and that we will hear God speaking to us. You know, we've been blessed beyond measure uh, so much in, in, in my lifetime. We, we've been so blessed uh, with health and with security and with prosperity uh, that, that I think sometimes uh, we've enjoyed those things so much that, that most people throughout history would have a hard time imagining uh, where, where we are. As we've come to this current health and economic scare, uh, it would be easy for us to exaggerate the effect of it. Uh, this is bad. It is not a good thing. It's not something that is desirable for us from our perspective, but, but it also isn't the end of the world. Uh, what we really have termed as a crisis, I think, is, is an event uh, that, that in many respects would, would be kind of normal life for so many people throughout, throughout history. You know, one of the things that uh, being spoiled does, the way that we've been spoiled with all of God's blessings, uh, I think being spoiled can tend to make us fragile. 
we've we've all seen probably whether it's just on TV or maybe we've had interactions with with people who are extremely wealthy and they're so spoiled that that at the slightest little discomfort at the slightest little bit of maybe one of their luxuries is not going to be afforded to them, uh, they, they begin to whine about that. And, and there's a disconnect between where they are and where we're at. We're thinking, are you seriously upset about that? Um, and, and yet I wonder if we are not the, the same way. We, we have been so blessed. Uh, and, and yet uh, I, I think what we can see in this time, one of the lessons that we, we can see is, is just to experience some of what it might be like if we didn't live in a time of God's excessive blessings. One of the things that happens, I think, is that we've been so blessed in the areas of health and security and, and prosperity uh, that, that we often don't long for, um, uh, we don't long for God and for his, his presence the way that we ought to and in the way that many people throughout history would have, right? They, they would see that there's something broken about this world. There's something insecure. There's something missing in, in this world and that those longings lead them to seek the Lord uh, the, and his presence to give them security and to give them Comfort. We, we live in a time of unprecedented peace and security. But, but imagine that you lived in, in many places throughout history uh, where war and, and where insecurity was just an everyday part of, of life. Uh, imagine that you lived in a place where evil was not restrained by the rule of law. For, for several generations, we have had, had nothing but prosperity. We've, we've known nothing but prosperity. But, but imagine you live in a place where people are routinely malnourished. Uh, imagine that if no matter how hard you work, there, there simply was not enough food. There was not adequate food to supply and, and to feed your, your family. And where every year you were dependent on crops growing and, and getting sufficient amount, amounts of rain to have the food that you would need to supply uh, for your future. We've lived in an unprecedented, an unprecedented time in terms of health care. We've been so blessed that, that it seems like no matter what you come down with, uh, science has, has come up with some kind of cure or some kind of treatment that can extend your life or, or perhaps even eradicate the, the disease. But that, that's a recent phenomenon. Imagine that you lived in a time uh, that, that there wasn't this extraordinary uh, kind of health care. And, and maybe we're experiencing a, a little bit of that now where, where there's this uncertainty about a, a virus. Uh, but, but that, again, would be everyday life for most people throughout the world, throughout, the, throughout history. So what I would say is let's not waste this crisis. Instead, let's, let's learn a lesson. What, what we're going through right now pales in, in comparison to the realities that many people in the world have lived throughout their entire lifetime. So, so I believe we should not waste this crisis, but instead we should allow it, first of all, to help us see, one, how blessed we are by God, but secondly, that we should use this time to, to maybe begin to see Scripture in a new light and, and hopefully that God would create longings for us, I'll give you an example of what I'm trying to get at here just recently. Um, 
you, you know, everybody started running out to the stores and, and buying up food. And uh, in, in my lifetime, I've never been concerned about whether I would have my daily bread, right? God, Jesus taught us in, in his prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I've never had that concern in, in my entire lifetime. I've certainly prayed and given thanks to God, and I've prayed that God would give provision. I'm not saying that, but, but it's never been a, a real concern. And, and just recently, the other day, when we were uh, going to the, to the store to try to get some food, and, and you begin to see all these empty shelves, and there were still an abundance of food in the store. Uh, but, but many of the things maybe that we typically buy weren't there. And you saw some empty shelves. And, and, and maybe for the first time in my lifetime, I, I began to really see God as the one who provides and to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things that we need. Well, my hope is that as we look at Psalm 46, that this crisis would stir within us the kind of discomfort that this that the psalmist had with this world and that we would long for God's presence. You see, this psalm that we're going to look at this morning is a psalm written by a person who's accustomed to suffering, written by a person who, who is longing for God to be present with his people, to protect them, to shelter them, to care for them. And, and what I'm saying is this, Times of trials, times of crises, times of suffering can be times that create that longing for us. And, and I just hope that we don't waste this time. I, I hope that we're not so anxious to get things just back to normal uh, that, that we fail to allow God to cultivate this kind of longing within us. So let's look at this psalm this morning. What, what we see in this psalm is someone who desires God's presence with his people, to be their shelter, to be their, to be their provider, to be, to be their protector. So Psalm chapter 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What we have here in, in this psalm, first of all, I think is the picture of God's presence. I talked about people longing for safety, for security, for health, for, for prosperity, 
And, and in the Old Testament, there, those were the same longings that the Old Testament people had. Uh, they longed for security. They longed for God to bless them and to, for God to provide for them. And, and in the Old Testament, the, all of that hope, all of that longing got tied up in the imagery of Jerusalem as God's city. You, you see, Jerusalem was the place where God dwelt. And, and in God's presence, the, the people viewed that as the place God is the source of all of those blessings. For, for the Old Testament people, these were their concerns, health and prosperity and security. And they recognized that these things were blessings that came from God, from God's presence with his people. They understood that if God is with us, he will give us peace from our enemies. He will provide for our needs and make us prosper. He will give us security. And for Israel, this hope of God's blessing and this idyllic existence through his presence came to be symbolized in the city of Jerusalem, sometimes called in the Old Testament Zion, right? And, and in particular, in the temple, because the temple was in Jerusalem, and that's where God's presence was. Jerusalem was the capital city of, of God's people. It was the city of David. It was a city that was elevated, and so it was sort of a picturesque kind of place of, of security there. And as I mentioned, this is where uh, Solomon built the temple and where God's presence dwelt with his people. And so Jerusalem took on this symbolism of being the place of God's presence. And where God's presence were was God's people were secure. They, they were provided for. And in this psalm, what we have is this, this picture of the entire world sort of caving in. We have the nations raging. We have the earth seemingly just falling apart, crumbling. But then there's this one city. There's this place where God dwells. And in the midst of this city, in the midst of Zion, though everything else around, though all the world is crumbling, God's people are there with God being present and they are provided for, they are cared for, and they are protected from the world around them and from their enemies. The psalm is a picture of the ideal of, of Zion. And we get this contrast between the world of chaos and danger and destruction and the city of God, Jerusalem, where there's security, where there's health, and where there's prospering. We see this throughout the psalm. Verse number one, we see that God is our refuge and our strength and our help. Verses four and five, we see that this is talking about the city of Zion, the Jerusalem. Uh, there's a river whose city, uh, whose streams make glad the city of God. That is, the city of God is Zion, it's Jerusalem, the, the holy habitation of the Most High. That's where God dwelt in his temple. And in verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. So we get this picture of security where God is. God is in the midst of her. And outside of this city, outside of the city of God, outside of Zion, we see in verses 6 and 7, the, the nations are raging. raging. The, the kingdoms are tottering. There, there, there are all these enemies who are raising up against God and against his people. And then verses 7 and 11, we get this refrain that, that God is, is there and he's in control. The Lord of hosts, verse 7 
says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts, this is this picture of a a mighty uh, army of angels. And so God is there with his people in this city. and, And he's there with the great army of his angels protecting his people. And through this might of his, in verses 8 and 9, we see that he subdues the the rival armies. He subdues the world. He subdues the enemies of God and of his people. And in verse number 10, we see God exalted victorious over, over the entire world. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, one of the things that we, we see, this, this was the hope of the Old Testament people, is that God would be with his people and that God would, they would dwell with the Lord in security and safety. He would provide for them for all their needs and that he would protect them from, from the nations. But what we know in the Old Testament is, is that the people, the people never really fully experienced that ideal. We see that, that hope and that longing all throughout the Old Testament that God would be with us, that God would provide for us, that God would protect us, but, but they never truly and finally and fully experienced that. Instead, they, they continued to rebel against God, and as a result, God was not with his people. His presence was not there. So we, we see in places like Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, uh, and, and I won't read that, but, but the people think as armies are approaching and, and there's threats from outside, that they just keep saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord is here. Uh, in other words, they, they were continuing to say, God's here, he's, he's with us. But the problem is that they had rejected the Lord and God was no longer present with his people. You see, they stopped recognizing the, the need of God's presence and they hung on to Jerusalem and to the temple as almost like good luck charms. Uh, like, well, we've got the temple, we've got Jerusalem and so there's no way anything can happen to us even though we've rejected God. But what we see is that in the Old Testament, God withdrew his presence and as a result, the people of Israel were not protected. They were not provided for. God allowed destruction to come on them. But during that period of the Old Testament, we see that there were there were prophecies given over and over again about a coming time in which God God's people would fully and finally realize this protection. So I'm going to read several different passages, and I'd encourage you to grab your Bibles. If you have a, a, a paper and, and pen uh, to write these down if you're not able to get to them. But these are prophecies. As the people of Israel are experiencing destruction and as they're experiencing the, the fact that all the things that they hoped for and longed for were, were not coming true uh, because of their sin, God sent prophets to prophesy of a time in which God would once again be with his people and this ideal of Zion uh, would be fully realized. So the first passage is Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3 Verses 14 through 17. Listen to this passage. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. 
The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. There's the presence of God with his people. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. You see how they're experiencing during this time enemies who are coming in and taking over, but God points them forward to a time in which they will they will truly and finally realize this experience, this, this idyllic view of, of Zion. God will be with his people. God will take care of you. God will rescue you. God will save you. He'll be in your midst. The second passage is Zechariah 8.3. Zechariah 8.3. And this is what this passage says. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion. I have returned to Zion. God's presence was with them in Zion, but they rebelled. And so God withdrew his presence. They were experiencing suffering and persecution. But God says, I'm going to return to Zion and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. God's going to return. Jeremiah chapter three, verse 17 At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall gather to it, the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own heart. Not only is God going to be with his people in Jerusalem, in Zion, providing for them, but but the nations are actually going to stream into Zion, and they're going to come and learn from the Lord, and all of the nations are going to experience this blessing that's pictured of God being with his people. One one last passage, Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Micah 4, 1 through 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and the peoples, again, that's the nation, shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Now, what we need to know this morning, we've seen that Old Testament Israel had this hope of God being present with his people and providing for them. And and that was that was idolized in in Zion, in the city of Jerusalem. They did not fully experience that because of their rebellion, but God sent prophets that said there was, there was a time coming in which Zion would be established. God's presence would return, and, and not only would God's people experience uh, blessing and salvation, but the nations of the earth would stream to Zion, and they would all experience this blessing. Well, I think there is... Yet a future fulfillment of this. I think Zion is representative of heaven. But, but I think there's a sense in which Christ also is a fulfillment of this. When we think about God's promise to once again restore his presence with his people and to bring salvation and blessing, 
we must see that this is fulfilled in Christ. Jesus said in John that, that they, uh, the people of his day searched the scriptures, but the scriptures spoke of him. All of these prophecies pointed forward to Christ. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.20 that all of the promises of God find their yes. They find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God who's present with us. When Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, as he did in his lifetime, God had returned to Zion. God was with his people in Jerusalem, as Zechariah had prophesied. Jesus is the one who will save his people. He's the mighty one who will save his people. Jesus is the one to whom all the nations stream. They, they all come to Jesus and submit to him and come to know the Lord through him. Jesus is the temple who attracts the nations to the Lord so that they may learn to walk in his paths and no longer stubbornly follow their evil hearts. So what does all of this mean for us? What means this? This kind of idyllic picture of God being with his people and providing for them and helping them, God being a refuge and a protection, all of that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And these promises that we find in this, in this passage of God being our refuge, a strength, a very present help, uh, of God protecting and being a river of blessing to us, all of these promises are ours. They belong to us if we have Jesus Christ. These promises belong to God's people, to us right now. So what I want to do in the remainder of our time is just look at these passages. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, you could have just looked at these promises and just jumped right to that. But I think it's important for us to, to understand how the, this all flows and how these are our promises. Sometimes people are, are very quick to take promises and just cut them out of their context and not understand them. But, but we want to rightly divide the word of truth. And so we want to look at these promises. What, what does this promise for us? What do we have? Those of us who belong to Jesus Christ, who have God's presence with us, what do we have? Well, verse number one says that God is our refuge. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you have the presence of God with you and God is your refuge. A refuge is, is a place of rest from weariness. It's a place of security. Many of us right now are, are taking refuge in our homes. You see, there's danger out there. There's a virus out there. There, there are things that, that are risking our health right now. And so we're taking refuge in our home because we're seeking protection within that, within that shelter. And this morning, as, as good as that might be, that might be a wise and a good decision, but more importantly than taking refuge in your home, what you need to do this morning is to take refuge in the Lord. You need to seek and to find your security in Him. Don't, don't put all of your hope with, with being within the four walls of your home. You need to rest in the Lord. So often we seek refuge in many different things. 
Some of us take refuge in the fact that we've got money saved up. Some of us take refuge in, in our homes. Some, take, some of us take refuge and security in, in our jobs. But, but one of the lessons that we can learn in a crisis like this that we're going through, when some of those things begin to shake a little bit and, and we see a little bit of insecurity, is, is that none of those things will finally provide us the security that we need. We need to seek refuge in the Lord, God's people have a refuge if you belong to Christ, if God's presence is with you. But not only is God our refuge, God is also our strength. God is our refuge and our strength. Verse number one says, when you go through trials like this, it can be wearying. Many of us are, are tired, aren't we? Uh, we're, we're struggling, uh, we're, we're weary with with not being able to have our, our normal schedule. We're, we're weary with all of the worry, with all of the anxiety. Uh, we're, we're growing tired of life not being normal. And, and listen, when, when you're in the midst of that time, you need to understand that God is your strength. I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 40, where the Lord says that he is our, our strength. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. Are you faint this morning? God is your strength. He will give power to you. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even use shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Some of you are weary this morning. Some of you are tired physically and, and emotionally and spiritually, and you need to go to the Lord. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to continue to deal. I hope this doesn't go on too long because I just can't keep doing what I'm doing. But listen, go to the Lord. He's the strength of his people. He's also, it says in verse number one, a very present help in time of trouble. A very present help. In time of trouble. I like the, the way that, that says that. One commentator summed it up this way. He says, this is a help that can be found when you need it. God is a help who can be found when you need it. You know, there are a lot of people in life that will offer you help. Uh, but, but so often, that help isn't there when you need it. Right when, when you really get into a crisis, when you really get into a time where, where you could use help, you turn and you look and, and, and there's no one there. But God is a help to his people. I'm reminded of, of Hebrews that we're going through and we'll probably be getting back to, to Hebrews very soon. Uh, but, but it talks about in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus is our high priest and, and that because he's our high priest that he will... Uh, that, that we can find grace to help in a time of need. He will give you the grace that you need. He is our help. Not only that, we see in this picture in, in, in Psalm 46, a, a river of God's blessing. 
When we have God's presence, we have a river of God's blessing. That's in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Is this picture, a river is a picture of something that provides and sustains life. And, and right now, uh, the, though you may not feel it, they, though it may not be part of what you're experiencing uh, in your life right now, the, the reality is this, that you have a river of God's blessing flowing to you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. You see, God is supplying all of your needs. He's giving you all that you need. That river is not going to run dry during this crisis. Not only that, we have a protector and defender from our enemy. We see that in verses 7 and 11 in, in our passage, which are, are, are just refrains throughout this uh, psalm. The Lord of hosts is with us. There's God's presence with his people. He's the Lord of hosts. That, that's the Lord of, of an army. And he's there to protect us. He's, he's our shelter. You know, sometimes some of what I'm seeing as I look out in Facebook and social media and talk to people, I see some people looking for some kind of human conspiracy behind an event like, like this. They're looking for a human enemy. And, and what I would say is that when, when we're doing that, we're not looking deep enough. You see, we do have an enemy. And, and he is conspiring against us. And, and he's really conspiring against all of humanity. But that, that enemy is not just some powerful man or some powerful group of men who are able to control the, the world events. Uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. There is someone who's orchestrating evil, who's seeking to destroy God's people. But listen, you need to understand that, that God is ruling and reigning over that. And God is our defender. He's the Lord of hosts. And listen to what he says in verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Listen, God, Satan and his demons and those who are ruling over this present darkness, the God of this world, he, he can do nothing. God's voice here is pictured as an atomic bomb. One, one voice and everything just, one word and everything just melts away. God is protecting you right now. God is caring for his people. And so we can rest secure. We see that again in verses 8 and 9. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. There are no enemies of God who will be able to overcome God and his people. God is the Lord of hosts. He's the defender and the protector of his people. And so you can be secure this morning. I love what Romans chapter 8 says. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? There's nothing, there's no enemy who can overcome those whose presence God is with. There's no one who can overcome God's people. How should we respond to these truths this morning? How should we respond to these? Well, there are several responses that we see in, in Psalm 46. 
The first is, is that we will not fear. And so we, we see this in verse 2. Let me read verse 1 again just to get the context. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Therefore, we will not fear. When you get this picture of God being with you, God providing for you, God protecting you, God defending you, being your shelter, when, when you get that picture, it should eliminate fear. Fear, many of you maybe are experiencing anxiety and fear. First thing, we talked about that last week, you need to just recognize that's a sin. It's, it's a sin, and, and we know it's part of our weakness as, as human beings, but it is a sin to, to experience that fear and that anxiety, to give way, let me say it that way, to give way to fear and anxiety in your life. Do you see verse number two? Therefore, we will not fear because God is our refuge, because God is our strength, because he is a very present help in trouble. Because of those realities, we will not fear. God commands us all throughout scripture, do not be afraid, do, do not be anxious. John chapter, or Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Let, let me just read that to you. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. That's what we've been seeing. God's with you. That's why you're not afraid. Don't be afraid because God is with you. Listen, when, when God is present with his people, we have no need to be afraid. And when we give way to fear and anxiety, we are failing to believe and failing to realize that God is with us. We cannot be afraid. One of the things I think we need to do, if you're experiencing fear this morning, the way that often comes is when we stop thinking about and dwelling on and meditating the, on the reality of God being with his people and we take our eyes off of the Lord and we begin to focus on and think about and meditate on all of the things that cause us fear. Some of you may be spending too much time reading Facebook and reading articles and filling your mind with all kinds of things that would cause you anxiety and fear. You need to take your eyes off of those things and you need to get your mind in the word of God and you need to get your eyes fixed on the Lord and recognize God is with me. And if God is with me, I will not be afraid. There's a second response. Not only will we not fear but we can actually have joy. Look again at verse number four. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. When, when God. when God is with his people and his blessings are flowing to them like this river, it makes glad the city of God. God's people can have joy in the midst of a crisis because God is with them and because God is supplying their every need. Again, get this picture that's presented in this psalm. The whole world is just simply melting away. The, the enemies of God are clamoring. The, the, the world is falling apart, but God's people are on this mountain, in this city, and God is there with them, and they are secure, and they are joyful. Listen, right now, for, for some of you, it seems like 
this isn't reality, but it seems like for some of you, the world is, is collapsing. It seems like things are so chaotic and they are so out of order. But you need to recognize this morning that God is with you, that his blessings are continuing to flow to you through Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. You can have joy. Instead of anxiety, you can have joy in the midst of this crisis. When you remember that God is with you and you begin to focus on the fact that God is continuing to bless his people. We should exhibit this right now. We, your response this morning, your response to this crisis should be dramatically different than the world. They're, they are in disarray. They have no hope. They have no security. God's blessings are not flowing to them in the same way that they are to you. But you have all of those things. And so you ought to have joy even in this time. And then there's a third response. Because God is our protector and provider during this time, we can quiet our hearts and have an unshakable confidence Verse number 10 is what really drew me to this text this morning. Is this just such a good word for us in this time? Especially those of us maybe who are experiencing some anxiety. Uh, those of us who are, are maybe giving way to a little bit of fear in our life. Just listen to what verse 10 says. Be still and know that I am God. The, the command is there. It's like sometimes you, you get on your kids when they're just... That they're being crazy, and maybe some of you have experienced that this week, and you've got to tell your kids and just say, be quiet, settle down, right? And that's what we need to say to our hearts right now. If, you're, if your heart is filling up with fear and anxiety, you need to quiet your heart. You need to, you need to take it in under control and, 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 and quiet it. Be still and know that I am the Lord. Stop what you're doing and be still. The way that we quiet our heart, do you see this in verse 10? The way that we quiet our heart is by the second part of that verse. Be still and know that I am God. You see, when you fix your eyes on the Lord, as I said earlier, that's what will quiet your heart. That, that's what will give you that peace. That, that's what will give you joy in the midst of that chaos when we remember that God's in control. God is sovereign right now. Nothing that's happening in this moment is outside of God's control. Know that he is the Lord. And when you know that, he provides a quiet to your heart. Know right now that he is Lord. Know that he's good. That, that everything that he's doing, even in a moment like this, is, is part of his good purpose for you if you love him, if you're called according to his purpose. Know that he is watching over you, that he is omniscient. Maybe you feel like you're cut off from everybody and nobody's there, nobody is, is able to be there and to help you, but, but know that God is ever present with his people and that he knows exactly what's going on in your life. He's omniscient and he's omnipresent and know that he is all faithful. He's always faithful to his people. Know that God is all wise. You, you might think, why is this happening? But listen, God is wise. He knows what he's doing. When you know all of those things about God, you're able then to quiet your heart. That's what I would 
encourage you to do this morning. Listen to the command of verse number 10. Be still and know that he is God. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, sometimes it seems like the world may be going crazy. It it seems like the world may be falling apart. It seems like our lives are in disarray and chaos. But Lord, I I pray that you would give us a vision of of you being with us, that that we would know that and that we would experience it in in a way that perhaps we have not up to this point. I I pray that we would learn the lessons uh, that you have for us in, in this time. And perhaps one of those presents is uh, lessons is is that you are present with your people, and, and I pray that you would create within us a longing, a longing not just to get out of this crisis, not just to to remove ourselves from this situation, but that you would be with us, and that we would know that you're with us, and that we would see your hand at work. You, we would see you protecting us. We would see you providing for your people. God, I pray, I know that there are many who, for various reasons, are experiencing fear and worry and anxiety. And God, I pray that they would draw near to you and that they would see you as in complete control, having a good plan, a sovereign plan over this, and that they would be able to quiet their heart in the midst of this. I pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen.